Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. Here on Searchlight, we have recently just begun our study of the book of Judges. This is a fun and exciting book that speaks to us about our walk with the Lord. On a recent Searchlight program, Pastor John shared with us the picture in the book of Judges, which he contrasted to the picture in the book of Joshua. Joshua is a picture of entering into the promised land through faith. In contrast, Judges is a picture of enjoying the promised land through faithfulness. This illustrates the fact that we are saved by faith alone, but we will not enjoy our salvation unless we walk with faithfulness, unless we are obedient to God. As we join John for today's study, we are reviewing some of the battles that were involved in driving the enemies out of the promised land. With the story and the application for our lives, here now is Pastor John. Now, verse 16, the children of Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees, which is Jericho, with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south. And they went and dwelt among the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother. They slew the Canaanites, verse 17 says. Also Judah, verse 18, took Gaza and Ashkelon and Ekron. Gaza is the place that's in the news all the time right now, the Gaza Strip. They're in the southern part of Israel, southwest on the Mediterranean shore. And that was the area that Judah took. Ashkelon, Ekron were Philistine cities, even as that is an area today controlled by the Palestinians, you see, the Gaza Strip. So they went, Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they slew these Canaanites. Judah also, verse 18, took the Gaza Strip. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountains. But Judah could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. We'll come back to that. Judah was successful in the mountains, but he was discouraged and defeated in the valleys. That might happen to you. can happen to me. Ah, yeah, the mountaintop times. Hey, yeah, praise the Lord. But in the valleys, we feel overwhelmed, discouraged, despair. There's chariots of iron down there. Chariots of iron were like tanks in those days. They, the Jews, didn't have any chariots of iron. But Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
The problem is, as we shall see, they had their eyes on the chariots instead of on the Lord. The Lord, who in Psalm 68 verse 18 says, 20,000 chariots are his. The Lord, the psalmist declares, rides upon chariots of fire. 20,000 chariots, chariots of fire, innumerable, awesome, invincible. But in the valley, the people of Judah, they saw these chariots and got freaked out, discouraged, you see. So they didn't engage the enemy. We can't do this, they said. Well, they gave Hebron, verse 20, unto Caleb, as Moses said, That's the place that Caleb wanted was Hebron. And Caleb expelled the three sons of Anak. They were giants. Caleb, who was 85 at this time, says, Give me that area of Hebron, mountainous country, where the giants are, because they're bred for me. I'll scarf on them. I'll grow strong in doing battle with them. (laughs) I like Caleb. I like that mentality. But... Verse 21, the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem even to this day, the day of the writing of this book, Judges. By the way, Judges was probably written by Samuel the prophet. And the Jebusites would be in Jerusalem until, again, David was anointed by Samuel to be king and then moved into power years later and took control of that city and drove the Jebusites out, you see. Well, verse 22, the house of Joseph went up against Bethel. The Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to spy out Bethel. Now the name of the city was Luz. And the spies, verse 24, they saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said, show us, we pray thee, the entrance into the city, and we will show you mercy. And when he showed them the entrance into the city, then they smote the city with the edge of the sword, but they let that man and his family go. Now the man, verse 26, who showed them the way into the city, this man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called the name of it Luz which is the name thereof even unto this day. What a story. Here in verse 22 through 26, the sons of Joseph, they are going to battle against the people that were dwelling in a city called Luz, that would later be called Bethel. But they can't figure out how to get in because the walls go all around the city and there seems to be no entrance into the city. And they're confused, and they're confounded. Then they see a guy going in and out. And they say, hey, hey, you, stop. You know how to get in. You know how to get out. You you live here. I'll tell you what. If you show us the way to get in, we'll have mercy on you. If not, you're dead meat. You're done. You're through. Okay, I'll show you the way. And he he showed them the way into the city. The guys then, with their swords, went in, destroyed the city, took control completely, and gave that man mercy and let him and his family live. Now, what does this guy do? This is what amazes me. Instead of saying, wow, God is with you. Wow, 
You guys are unstoppable. It's obvious that, that, that God is with you and you've shown mercy to me and you've allowed me and my family to live. So I want to just live here with you guys in Bethel, which means house of God. He doesn't do that. He goes off to the land of the Hittites, goes off to a different region there in Mesopotamia, and he builds another city called Luz, the same name as the old one. It's like people. You know, I mean, here God has been good to people, shown mercy to them and blessed them. And yet, and yet people, they pull away from the people of God, from the body of Christ. And they go off and do what they used to do before they had exposure to the truth or before they were part of the church or whatever it might be. It's a great mystery. I can't figure it out. I've pondered this for years. The Luz enigma. Why a guy, why a gal, why a couple, why a family would see what the Lord is doing and see the destruction of their old city, their old lifestyle, the destruction, the destructiveness of it, and yet having the opportunity to live in Bethel, the house of God, go off to the land of the Hittites and, and redo their old thing again. It amazes me. What's the answer to that enigma? I don't know. It's just the way it is. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked and scandalized. Don't be chagrined when people that were let in and a part of and cognizant and knowledgeable about the ways of God go back to the Hittites and rebuild their city again. Jesus said, don't let that surprise you. It's like a guy sowing seed. Some seed never takes root. Some seed comes up quickly. But then when the sun begins to shine and the day gets hot, that, that crop just fades away because there's no root. It's not very deep. Others come up and bear fruit, but the weeds choke it to death. The cares of this world, the desires for other things, choke it. But some, Jesus said, hit the soil and they're not choked out by the weeds and they do have a good root system deep within the soil and they go on to bear fruit 60-fold and 100-fold. But only one out of four in that analogy went on to bear fruit, you see. The first group of seed never took root at all. The second group Shot up, but then wilted under persecution and difficulty. The third, fruitful seemingly, but then lost interest because of the cares of the world and desire for other things. The fourth, mm -hmm, they went on to bear fruit. People say, well, when you baptize so many people on Sunday, do you think that's right? I mean, I saw this guy get baptized last year, and now I saw him at the Jacksonville Tavern or whatever. Nice convert. I say, well, he's not the Lord's convert. Because, you see, I realize that that's what's going to happen. That some will go back. The ones that maybe tasted of him or had an interest in him, but were not going to be living right there in the presence of the Lord in Bethel. That happens. So in your witnessing, in your sharing, understand 
that this is reality. Don't be set back or don't get cynical or don't say, hey, but realize this is what Jesus said would happen. My job is just to sow as much seed as I can to invite everybody to come in and be a part of the kingdom. But I do realize there's the Luz enigma. Some guys, like this guy, will go back and rebuild Luz once more. Now, Manasseh, verse 27, did not, uh, did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean or Beit Shan. We go to Beit Shan. It's a great stop on our journey through Israel. It was there that Saul had his head fastened to the wall. It's a very interesting spot. But they didn't drive out the inhabitants that were there at that time. And it lists others that they failed to do what they were supposed to. came to pass, when Israel was strong, verse 28, they put the Canaanites to tribute, but they did not utterly drive them out. Now pause here for a moment. Because, again, they're going throughout the land. They're supposed to be Dealing with and driving out the Canaanites. In verse 19, back there, we saw the men of Judah were just too much in the valley of despair to do the work that they could have done, that they should have done. They got their eyes on the problems, on the iron chariots, and they could not drive them out. They could have had they put their eyes higher on the Father who has 20,000 chariots, chariots of fire, but they didn't because of despair in the valley, in the slew of despondency. These guys here in verse 28 have a different problem. It's not that they could not because of their despair. They would not because they saw an opportunity to make some money. Why drive them out? We can put them under tribute. That is, we can tax them. We can control them and get an income from them. Always a dangerous thing to do is to say, well, you know, I can control this Canaanite. I can control this problem. I can, I know I'm supposed to get rid of it, but you know, I can control it. It can actually enrich me or bring some happiness into my life or take some pressure from my mind or whatever if I drink this or toke that or go there or see this or whatever it might be. I'll just kind of keep it under control. Big goof. Huge mistake. Because these Canaanites would not keep under the control of the men of Israel, but they would rebel against Israel and take control of that region of the land, sad to say. You don't mess with sin. You don't mess with the carnalities, the Canaanites, that you think that I think that we think we can somehow control. It doesn't work that way. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites and Verse 30, nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko, that seacoast town, that port on the Mediterranean Sea that we, oh man, we, there's the best falafels that you'll ever taste there in Akko. Mm, my mouth waters. But they're not, they're sold by Arabs. They're not sold, you see, they, well, anyway. They didn't drive out the foreigners. They let them stay there and 
allow them to be falafel salesmen. <laughs> Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, verse 33. And on and on the list goes. Oh, they had the power and the authority. They had the ability because God was with them and gave commandment to them to drive out the enemy, to deal with these people. But they didn't. Lost interest, felt despair, grew discouraged, whatever. And it will come back to haunt them greatly, very quickly. And the angel of the Lord, verse 1, chapter 2. The angel of the Lord. When you come across that phrase in the Old Testament, it's a reference to Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord. The word angel means messenger. The messenger of Yahweh, which is Jesus Christ. The word made flesh. Jesus would appear from time to time in Old Testament days. And he would have these appearances, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. He would come before he came as Jesus of Nazareth, you see. This is one of those times. Came up from Gilgal to Bacham. And he said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you to the land which I swore or promised your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. That's the Lord, you see. And you, verse 2, shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land, but rather throw down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? I have seen you through. I have done exactly what I told you I would do. So the Lord says, why haven't you done what I asked of you? Drive out these people and take down those altars. Wherefore, the Lord goes on to say, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. Listen carefully. Because you wouldn't do what I asked you to. Now these people are going to be snares and problems for you perpetually. If God speaks to your heart and says, get rid of that, Get right in that. Do so immediately. They didn't. And now the Lord comes to him at Bacham and says, I did what I promised. I have seen you through. But you have disobeyed flagrantly, intentionally. And now you need to know, here's what I say to you. These are going to be thorns in your sides and Their gods will be a snare to you. And it came to pass, verse 4, when the angel of the Lord spake these words, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bacham, because they botched it. (laughs) Oh no, oh no. I mean, when the Lord says, you're going to pay the price now. You're going to feel the repercussions of you're not dealing with those situations. Oh no. And they were real sad, and they wept. We botched it. They sacrificed there to the Lord. But it wasn't really godly sorrow that works repentance, as we will see. They were sad about the situation. That can happen to you. It can happen to me. Oh, I'm so bummed because I got caught. See? Or I'm feeling the effects. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow works repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or chapter 7, verse 10. 
If a person is really, truly sorry in a godly way, he changes, she changes, they change their direction. A person can cry like Esau. The Bible says he cried profusely. Tears rolled down his face. But he wasn't repentant. He was just troubled about the situation. And Esau goes out in history as a person that blew it terribly. These people at Bacham, they're crying, but they're not repenting. Oh, they, they cry and they offer their sacrifices. But there is not a change of heart as we shall soon see. Now verse 6 is a flashback. When Joshua had let the people go, Joshua still being alive, it's a flashback, if you would, to that time in uh, chapter 24. When Joshua let the people go, every man went to his inheritance to possess his land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and the elders that were with Joshua, who outlived Joshua. They had seen the great works of the Lord. And Joshua, verse 8, being 110 years old, died. They buried him in the border of his inheritance, where he wanted to be. Verse 10, and also all that generation were gathered to their fathers. That whole generation died off. Then there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And that's this generation at Bacham. Joshua and those that stood with him and ministered alongside of him, they served the Lord. But the next generation, they didn't have that same relationship with the Lord. And consequently, they were the ones that would botch it royally. What happened? Well, they, verse 11, did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. Baal is the rain god. Baal is the god of the intellect. People in that region depended on rain. Weather was a mystery to them. Rain was essential for them. And the god Baal was their explanation of all things that they couldn't understand or comprehend mentally. So Baal was the rain god. Remember later on, Elijah the prophet is going to challenge the prophets of who? To send forth fire. And then ultimately, because there was a drought, rain will come pouring down once they acknowledge the true and living God, you see, and put away Baal. But be that as it may, Baal... Those that were intellectual, those that wanted to find answers for and give explanations about things that were beyond the understanding of normal man were the prophets of Baal. They were the intellectual elite, you see. Ashtaroth, on the other hand, is the multi-breasted goddess who's called Ishtar in Babylonian religion. Easter comes from Ishtar, fertility. That's why there's bunnies and eggs. All has to do with fertility. Venus, uh, the, the... Roman name for that same Ishtar or Ashtaroth, same goddess. She's the goddess, the symbol of sexuality and immorality. Obviously, Israel is sliding headlong into the pit. 
We are now dealing with a generation that did not see the great works of God through Joshua in conquering the promised land, and they are turning their back on God and following false gods. You can guess the results. It's not pretty. Pastor John will talk about this on our next program as we begin to see these cycles of sin in the book of Judges. Please be sure to join us then. This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. The Apostle Paul said that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you would like to increase your faith and hear more of the Word of God, you may wish to consider Pastor John's complete set of Through the Bible teachings. This set contains over 1,200 teachings from Genesis to Revelation in MP3 audio format. These MP3 formatted teachings can be used with most mobile phones, computers, tablets, or other mobile devices. You may order Pastor John's Through the Bible MP3 audio set from our website at johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you 